3: I could say I'm changing the world, but I'm just one person. And they say, well, one vote makes, can make a big difference in a, in an election. I've discovered that. I'm a person who does vote. But if we're talking about money-making conversations. We're talking about how, you, how I can motivate you with information. Because that's what this show is all about, information. Information that allows you to consume it. You can call in on this show. I have a number that you can call in. Please use it. You can call while I'm talking to my guests. That's the whole part of this show. a live show. It's a live show. It, 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 It's about the community and uh, the popularity has been based on the fact that they stopped the music, allowed me to bring these guests on the show. There are, these are successful people, people who are telling their stories and not letting anything stop them from achieving their dreams because I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring you to accomplish your goals and live your very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and really start living your own. People always talk about their purpose or Gift, not gifts, gift. If you have a gift, leave with your gift and don't let your friends, family, or co workers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guests today are Jackson Dunbar and Tracy Hudson, and we'll be discussing how to overcome the odds in life. Let's get go. Let's get rolling. My guest is Jackson Dunbar. Life was almost perfect for social entrepreneur Jackson Dunbar, the founder of the WellMed Foundation and WellMed Atlanta, a privately owned psychiatric medical firm. It seemed that everything was going extremely well until a tragic car accident nearly took his life. Thankfully, he lived But he lost his quality of life as chronic pain made it impossible for him to walk normally, play with his kids or even hug his wife. In his tell all book, Race Matters in Pain Medicine, Jackson Dunbar, Esquire, gives a firsthand account on how he made money, lost 90 pounds and thrived in chronic pain. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Jackson Dunbar.
2: Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Uh, I read the book. I I got the
3: book. I'm going to let you know I got it. And I, I uh, is a it's a good read first of all, and but it was an Thank honest you. it was an honest book, man. Wow. Let's let's talk about it. first of all, how are you doing now physically?
2: Physically, um, what today was an okay pain day. Um, as a chronic pain patient, we're on medicine that that really impairs our cognitive functions. So I think today was it was okay.
3: So, you're saying even today you have to deal with pain?
2: Yes, yes. I, yes, I had that accident back in 2015, 2015. right?
3: That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. So, for the last eight years, I've been doing the dance for chronic pain. And yes, um, I had to learn how to manage it, uh, I, which was one of the reasons why um, I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate. I had resources and so could put together a team that could, that could teach me how to manage the pain. And a friend suggested that I write a book because most people aren't as fortunate um, to have those sort of resources.
3: Well, you know, and let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, it. let's go back. Cause I don't want, I don't want to leave anybody in the dark about how this happened. You know, you were just a short scenario. You, your son was in the backseat. You were driving your father who, had passed away, gave you his 2004 BMW. He said, if you want to look successful, you need to drive successful. It was one of the things. And he was making a turn. Now the story is yours. Tell us what happened.
2: Yes, yes. Um, I closed the biggest deal of well Med Atlanta. Uh, we're a group of child and adolescent psychiatrists here in Atlanta. And I just closed the biggest deal of our company's history. Uh, 40% margins. In fact, I was Telling my wife, hey, big daddy's coming home, make sure um, make sure you're ready. <laughs> uh, all I had to do is take my son to a soccer game, and we'll go from there. And I took him to a soccer game, and someone ran a yield sign, uh, and, yeah, it was like a tale of two different um, uh, worlds. Um Let's see. They were running to me. Uh, my son would be okay, thank God. He would end up playing soccer mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days later. Me, not so much. I would have dozens of back procedures, a botched back surgery. And in the end, I uh, was diagnosed with having permanent nerve damage, which would cause chronic pain for the rest of my life.
3: But let's talk about what happened at the accident, you know, because this young lady, she was five foot seven, and your book says she was white, and you were dealing with pain. And when people showed up, no one paid attention to you. They only paid attention to her. What was your thoughts on that? Because you, you explained about it, you explained it in your book.
2: Well, it was weird because I was more concerned about the smoke uh, and the pain that I was in and just thinking, God, my son was fine. It was my son that that that, that saw that. He's, he's very insightful. And after the fourth or fifth car went by and they kept asking her, um, if she was okay and said nothing to us, my son said, so why is that? Um, why why she caused the accident? You know, why aren't they asking if we're okay? And that was on the side of the road. I had to have a, a talk. Every black man has to have with his son about racism. You know, we tried to shield our kids from that, but I had to have a frank discussion about how society for the most part protects white women. And not so much us. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it was a real. How did he take that conversation? System. I know he
3: was young, but how did he, what What did he consume? Or what did he take away from that? Because I know you was trying to be polite in your conversation and because you was already trying to shield him, but he asked a question that you didn't expect to be in the situation to respond, but you had to respond.
2: Yeah, yeah I did. And it, yes, I did. I did respond. And what I, and the way he responded was he said, okay, I mean, I mean, my son's one of these kids, he's really thoughtful and he listens Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that was his awakening of the racism that we have in our society. Right. Um, In fact, um, there were times when he yelled, I mean, he and I were very physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to bike the stone Mountain and back. I would have them on the back. I would have them on the back of my bike. Uh, we would run together and all that was gone. Um, he was really angry, um, at, at the woman for causing the accident and for taking his father away. Um, it was a real trying time. Um, those first few years after the accident.
3: Well, you know, I, I, I had a my lung collapsed when I was in uh, Los Angeles and I stayed in the hospital oh, for 30 so days. Well, you know, just, just, I, I can relate in some ways to your chronic pain. I remember when I was in the hospital, um, they gave me a morphine drip because the pain, mm-hmm. and, you know, if anybody been in a hospital situation, you, you press the button if you have pain. Of course, after a while, okay. it will stop giving you the drug. Otherwise, you right, become right. addicted to it. But you still pressing, you still pressing because the pain didn't go right. away. And so, so that experience of frustration, because I know it was, it was at least three times I was checking out of the hospital and I had to go back in because my lung recollapsed. Here okay. you are in your life, 2015, roughly eight years later, you're still dealing with a pain that due to my physical blessings, I am not dealing with. But I know that pain, that pain. When you have a machine over there, there's a drip, morphine drip. When they give you that machine, they know you are in pain. And so yes. you're telling me that you hurt your back, correct? Yes, sir. And so we all know when you hurt your back, you realize how powerful or how important your back is getting out of bed, walking, just uh lifting things. How did that using the, using your whole that physical tool. life had turned upside down? Correct? Yeah. Yes.
2: And it's, there were times, especially when they took the pain medicine away right. that I, could, I couldn't even make it up the stairs in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, I would collapse because my the left side of my body is weaker than the right. And I just collapsed just from the weight of my body. Um, I would be on the floor and my kids would come looking at me and I would have to lie to them and say I wasn't in pain. And they were looking at me like I was nuts. Um, and... and and it's like, why is it that no one and no one would give me more meds? And and it was weird because at the time, um I thought I was going I thought I was going nuts. Uh, and you're right, you can't play with your kids, um, you can't use the restroom, you can't um yeah, all the simple things like cutting the grass. You know, I used to do all the driving when we went on trips, Right. you know, I could barely get in the car now. Right. So this was a real paradigm. This was a whole paradigm shift of, from, from my entire family.
3: Let's, let's talk about this because, you know, the whole thing about, uh, I'm working on a big project and it's tied to uh, sickle cell. And okay. one of the things that people who have sickle cell, you know, when they go to the hospital in a crisis, you know, a lot of doctors or hospitals don't want to give them medicine or drugs to reduce the pain. Cause they look at them as drug seekers. That's a yeah. term that you use in your book that people perceived you, when you complain about your back, that they questioned your pain and saw you as a black man, a drug seeker.
2: Correct. That's what you said in your book. Yes, um, exactly. And, and it's weird because it wouldn't met. And, and, and it's weird because if I look at my background um, I'm a job creator here in Atlanta. Uh, I also have, um, a law degree and an MBA, uh, from a, from a top tier school. And none of that matter. None of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay. It, 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 and not only that, not only that I had, I had images from an MRI and an EMG, which stated, Hey, this guy has permanent nerve damage in his butt. Yet they still wouldn't give me the medication. Uh, they still thought I was pain-seeking, and I thought it was crazy, and then one day, you know, I decided to get my head around it and see if this was happening to other people. Right,
3: and I'm telling you it is, especially in sickle cell patients. Yes. And that's sad. Now, now Jackson, because in your book, you know, you you talk about uh, the whole It's a crisis you're under, you know, like I said, mine was 30 days. And of course, when I got out of the hospital, I had to have rehab and recover and eventually I recovered from that. But I always remember that that crisis, you know, the inability to control your destiny because you're a very confident man. Very successful man. Then all of a sudden, you put in a physical crisis. You can't even play with your kids. You can't even get out of bed. Your wife probably has to assist you, uh, doing normal things. If something drops on the floor. You can't reach down and pick it up. Uh, they starts to question the term being a man in a in a in a relationship. What is your role? How did you deal with that? Um, to be
2: honest, that was tough. Um, my father, my father, like many men of this generation, after Vietnam, um, got married, had kids. Right. He, he always stressed to me and, and my brother that we should go out, have our fun, get educated, and we shouldn't be and we shouldn't get married to able until we are able to buy our own home. Okay, and that's what I did. I bought a four bedroom condo fixer upper, and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to get married. And right. so when I get married, it's hey, I'm the man uh, I'm supposed to produce. That's how I judge myself. And so, um, thanks be to God, uh, I was able to do all of that. And then, all of a sudden, to have all that taken away, it was, without a doubt, one of the saddest points of my life.
3: Now, you know, here's the thing. I'm talking to Jackson Dunbar. His life changed, ladies and gentlemen. it changed. An accident, a car accident. Fortunately, fortunately for him, his son was safe and was unharmed. But his life. Change, And another person caused that change. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the insurance companies now because that's another game. He had to deal with that black, white game that we always have to deal with who's going to pay and how much they're going to pay and how he had to approach dealing with those issues. All this is in his book, made money, Lost 90 pounds and thrived in chronic pain. Race matters and pain medicine by Jackson Dunbar, Esquire. We'll be right back with more money-making conversations.
1: Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more money-making conversations masterclass. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi,
3: I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week, I sat down with comedian, actress, writer, and producer of the new HBO Max comedy special, Fighting Words, Ida Rodriguez. She shares how through her comedy, she talks about uncomfortable things in order to heal.
2: I grew up in the inner city of Miami. Part of what we used to do when we were kids, we used to crack on each other. People call it joning. And when i realized that what we were doing was processing our pain through laughter that i decided when i started writing comedy i would just channel that and say how do i approach talking about sexual abuse it happens so much in our communities so i sat down and i just made a decision that i was going to talk about the
0: things that were uncomfortable because it helped me also heal
3: if you want to listen to this full interview with Ida Rodriguez it's available on moneymakingconversations.com
0: welcome back
1: to the moneymaking Conversations Masterclass, hosted by Rashaun McDonald. I'm talking
0: to a successful. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter.
1: me i'm going to get you all this fun and more in our stories for kids lingo kids stories for kids is now available on story button the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening listen to stories for kids on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
3: man, an entrepreneur whose life was turned upside down in 2015 when a car accident um, changed him physically, changed the way he approached life, changed his relationship with his child, changed the relationship with his wife, changed the relationship with his friend. More importantly, it changed how he looked at life because of his race. He was being treated differently. He's being treated. He was treated differently at the accident. He's being treated differently when he tried to seek medical care. He treated differently when the drugs that he was requested were being denied to him. When all this, at what point in this whole game, because it's a game, it's a game of race, Jackson Dunbar, that you felt you needed to fight back?
2: Um, I think the first time the insurance company tried to uh, low bid me, um, and uh, and 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 working in mental health, um, I, I know I know the insurance game is about time value of money. The longer they can hold, I and mean, we we pay our insurance payment payments every month with the expectation that if something happens, <laughs> yeah. the insurance company will pay up. Yeah.
3: But, that that but false expectation, you know, because they have the little rules. they pay this, but they may not pay that, you know, but they don't
2: tell that, you all those minor details. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so what ended up happening was after I got a low Bid from the car insurance company after the, um, health insurance companies, um, started denying claims. Um, I realized, Hey, you know what? I got, I got this legal mind, even though my body isn't where it should be, I should be able to use that. So what I did was, um, what the insurance company? I found my lawyer, uh, or oh, I found a lawyer who I thought could help me win a case against um, someone who lived in who lived in Cobb County. Now, now um, the thing about the person that hit me, she took ownership. Um, she's what we would call a good defendant. Mm-hmm. Uh, people wouldn't necessarily throw the book at her. In fact, they probably feel sorry for her because of because of what happened. Uh, and so I needed someone that could win given that sort of environment. So I went and did that. Then also I know how the insurance company played. I, I um, health insurance companies typically deny one or two times, There are these things called coordination of benefits, and and it's what what the insurance company sends you, and it basically shows what the insurance company pays and then what you pay. So most people don't look at that until they get a bill. When I got it and saw that the insurance company denied the claim, I called them, hey, what's going on with this? You approved it. Um, They sent it back a month later, and then they approved it, but they approved it out of network. People with insurance know if you're seeing a provider out of network, you pay more money. And, and, and it took three different times. And then finally with the end of But thing, all this while like,
3: you're in pain, right? You in pain,
2: all this while I'm in pain. Okay. And I'm like yelling at people. It's the funny story. Um, you know, my kids were telling me I was yelling and cussing a lot because of the pain. And <laughs> I said, okay, every, okay. So they want to do a swear jar. I'm like, fine. So one day I'm yelling at the insurance company. My daughter's there, and I'm like, "What are you doing? I'm making money," okay, because she's right in town all the times. I'm like yelling and swearing at the insurance companies because I knew the tactics. Um, by the third time, they paid for it. Uh, they, uh, let's see, um, they paid for it. It was in network. Everything was good, and that took about four months. Um, normally, that process can go on at least a year because it may take you four or five months to really look at your EOB and then trying to figure out what's going on. Um, typically, most people get the bill, and by then, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be fighting the insurance company for months. Um, the car insurance company, yeah. There was
3: two car insurance you were dealing with. You were dealing with her car insurance, and you had to deal with your car insurance, right? Because her car insurance right. would only pay so much. Then you had to wind up fighting with the very car insurance that you were making these monthly payments to have insurance.
2: Yes, I did. And, 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 my, and my, my attorney at the time was funny. He said, you know what? Um, okay, her car insurance is going to pay. Your car insurance company is known for snake-like behavior. So what you're going to have to do is trust me. And but the thing about it, J- Jackson, is that you are a great plaintiff. What do you mean? I mean, well, hey, listen, you got a law degree. You're well spoken. Um, you're a married man. You're a family man. You're a business owner. I love, I love people like you. All you got to do is go in there and impress them. And and I tell people when you when you go to these depositions, you know, um, uh, make sure you're clean cut. Uh, make sure you got uh, you, you're you're wearing nice clothes. And, and, and make sure you take the time to frame the narrative so that the lawyer on the opposing side realizes that, Hey, you know what? We got to write this person to check or we're going to lose. And that was something they taught me in law school years ago. Right. Something I've learned closing deals, um, uh, closing deals as a businessman here in Atlanta.
3: You know, what amazes me the most about this conversation, Jackson Dunbar is that we, you know, Success supposed to make your life easier. And we know what you're talking when about when they're insinuating about people who aren't married or people who have lesser education, how they get treated. That's all he's saying is that. Yes, that's you're, you're, and that's where race comes into play, how people can stereotype you. And I've been stereotyped all my life because I'm black. I've been t- stereotyped because of the color of my skin. Buying houses or or getting my houses appraised, I've been stereotyped. You know, you've read the stories. People have brought in, changed their photos, and in the house to white people, or and had uh, act like they didn't live there, and they their appraisals were higher when they when in those situations. You know, but as a person who battles. And still in chronic pain, because you got up to almost 350 pounds in weight, I read in the book, and and you lost 90 pounds on the process because a a young man, I shouldn't say he was in his 70s, told you you're going to die if you don't lose this weight. And it all happened because of an accident.
2: Um, uh, Yes, indeed. And, and, and that doctor really changed my life. He was an Emory doctor, a 70 years old, a uh, former paratrooper, believe it. He and I used to box. So we had a lot in common. Um, he had what I call an, affin- we had an, affin- What we had an affinity with each other. And I tell people, if you don't have an affinity with your doctor, you're not going to get the type of treatment that you need. And he, he asked me if you could swim. And I'm like, uh, yes, but how am I going to swim without my lower body? Well, just use your arms. Okay, cool. So I'm a member of the Wade Walker YMCA, uh, and started swimming in that pool. And you know what? At 350, big, big gut, uh, going out there, I had I had 60 year old women swimming around me, splashing <laughs> water in my face. Looking at me, you know, some kind of whatever. <laughs> so yeah. you were three hundred and fifty
3: pounds. How tall are you? Uh, I tall are you? I'm, I'm six one. You six, six one, one three. So you you carrying a lot of space out there. 350 yes, yes, pounds. Yes. So you walking the, out there. So 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 it's it's like you know you're a big guy coming in. And I remember when you you realized that drugs have value. When I say drugs have value, when you went cruising and you left your drugs into in your cabin and they were stolen. Yes. So you got and educated on that end too. You got educated by these women swimming around you at 350 pounds. A 70 year old guy tells you if you don't lose weight, you're gonna die. You go cruising, and they steal your your medicine.
2: Yes, yes, and and and, and that and we and, and that was bad because my my meds got stolen day one on a seven day cruise, and and the doctor on that ship wasn't like anything on the Love Boat. And, um, he didn't, he didn't believe me that, um, I needed the meds. He gave me ibuprofen. I'm like, God, that's not going to do anything. He wouldn't write a script for anything. He
3: he gave you ibuprofen (laughs) in replace of the medicine that you actually needed.
2: Yes. And, and And here's the thing. My wife is a medical doctor. Right. And tried to talk to the person, doctor to doctor, and and still, he, and still, he basically threw us out of his office. Wow. I couldn't believe it. And this is on the cruise ship. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you, you know, it's hard to have a bad time on a cruise, <laughs> and I found out how to do it. Well, you but know, it you... taught me a good lesson. No matter where I go, I lock up my meds. They always stay with me.
3: Well, uh, this is true. A lot of people don't understand that other people, what you might consider regular might have value, street value. And that's what you discovered that your drugs had street value. And so that's yes. the guy the, the the porter in your room said he accidentally threw it away, but he probably stole it because he can actually go out there and make money with it. But, you know, as, oh, as, as, God, we, clo- as we close this, as, you know, this book was rather fascinating to me. And I, you know, I know you do. I know you're a successful entrepreneur and uh, and especially in the uh, well-made foundation in the well-made Atlanta, a privately owned psychiatric medical firm as, as we close this out, because we've just been talking about physical, we've just been talking about the physicality of what you couldn't do. How did that impact you mentally?
2: Uh, I think now that was a, now it did. Um, and, and a lot of that is because I think we, as black men were raised that real black men don't need therapy. In fact, that's my favorite chapter in the book. And there are 50 million chronic pain patients out there, and, and what I say is that if you't um, if you don't have a good mental health team, a good psychologist and psychiatrist that specialize in pain management working on you, then your life you won't be able to reclaim your life. And, and that's hard for us. And I own a psychiatric, I own a psychiatric consulting firm. I have psychiatrists all around me. All of them were saying, hey, listen, you need to see someone. And I wouldn't believe it. Right. And and it wasn't until what um, what um, took my daughter. I took my daughter to the hair store and, and the person there was really rude. I started yelling at them and then my daughter ran away. She was afraid of me. Wow. And, 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 and that, was, that was maybe, what, four years into this odyssey? And at that point, I got a good mental health team. And what the psychiatrist was able to do was fascinating. She basically, what happens is that you may have a pain management doctor, you may have an internist, you may have a urologist and a few other folks, and all of them are giving you different medications. So by the end, you could be taking 15 to 20 pills a day, two, three times a day. So, what the psychiatrist was able to do was actually go through all the medications and say, "Okay, that was making you crazy. That was making you gain weight." Um, here's what I'm going to do. And from there, bam, I was able to be myself um about about three to four hours out of the day. Um I was and then I was able to put together strategies, strategies on how to navigate medical racism. Um, strategies on how to make money, um, um, even though I couldn't work strategies on how to, um, uh, lose weight, even though I was on meds that made you gain weight. And then finally strategies on how to thrive, um, even though I was on medications that made you suicidal. Right. And, and I was working, I, w- I was, um, I was a volunteer, at Senator Raffia uh, Warnock's campaign. And I was there with this minister and we were talking about this. You said all oh, this anger. She's like, you know what? Um, you got a lot of anger there. Maybe you should write a book about this whole thing. And I'm like, Hey, maybe what I learned could help other people. And so that's, um, and that's why I wrote it. You know, uh, what do you do to, what do you do to navigate medical racism? How do you make money? Um, when you're in chronic pain, you can't, um, how do you, let's see, how do you thrive when you're on medication that makes you crazy? And, um, how do you lose weight when you run pain medication that makes you gain weight? Um, so that was why I wrote the book.
3: Well, my friend, it was an incredible read. Um, how can we get in touch with you, Jackson?
2: Okay. The best way to get in touch with me is to go to Jackson, That's Jackson, dunbar.com. Uh, you can even hit me up on IG at Jack Bites racism.
3: Wow. Now Jackson Dunbar, there's a contact link on your website that they can fill out a form and, and you respond to.
2: Yes. Yes. Cool. Uh, yes. Um, they hit that link and once they do, if they have any questions about some of my money and make, cause I'm really big on investing. I'm really big on investing. Um, cause in my views, the only way that someone in chronic pain can, can make money. And it's not as hard as people think.
3: Well, that's another Um, conversation now, you know, I wanted to get through this book. I got another guest, incredible guest that I want to talk to in this other half of the hour. But, but the most important thing I wanted to tell this story, if you have time, love to bring you back to talk about the investment side of being able to apply yourself and not let physicality or chronic pain or disappointment or, lost dreams stop you from achieving in another area that's another side of your life that i thought was really important but i've never interviewed anybody who had an accident like that still dealing with the pain today dealt with so much denial mr dunbar you're incredible i appreciate you coming on the show again his tell our book race matters and pain medicine by jackson dunbar Exquire. and where's that website one more time as we close out the interview
2: yeah, thank you. Thanks. It's at Jackson Dunbar dot com. That's Jackson Dunbar dot com or at IG at Jack fights racism.
3: We will talk soon, my friend. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. Okay. I appreciate you calling in on Money Making Conversation Master Club.
0: Hey, everybody! Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. join me and be a part of sisterhood friendship wisdom and laughter we gather a seasoned elder myself as the middle generation and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had listen to a cross generations podcast on the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast discover a new educational
1: and interactive podcast stories for kids by lingo kids